Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Metcalf, another glorious week of talking basketball with you. I'm doing good. We, we've had some fun this week. Um, another glorious you know, stretch of basketball games in the college basketball world, some NBA games. I'm doing good. I'm ready for the weekend. How about yourself, my uh, my good friend? I am fantastic. We have a meaningful amount of snow on the ground here now. Um, so that that part of the year is officially started. Oh, joy. Uh, the puppy turned three today, which is. Oh, congrats. Um, I, I've, I scolded her and told her that she's not allowed to get older. Uh, she doesn't seem to be listening, though. So we'll just have to revisit that in another year. Uh, but, you know kids right <laughs> the worst they just never listen <laughs> but we also had actual like meaningful basketball matchups in the college world this year and it or this week and this week really felt like the first time that college basketball was back obviously it came back last week but all of the good teams played on one day and it was a bunch of tune-up games and this week we had some really big time matchups that were a lot of fun yeah, I mean, we we had we wanted to talk about the Champions Classic. Um, obviously, for all the diehards out there, you probably had your your fix of listening to plenty of recaps about the Champions Classic. But you're getting it from me and Metcalf on this episode, so it's going to have a little bit of spice on it. But um, no, some some interesting games. We had a good um, good crew on the playback stream. Thanks for everyone. The chat was hilarious. Yeah. We've been laughing about it all week. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we had Kentucky, Michigan state double overtime and then, you know, myself, Metcalf and Albert were on Duke, Kansas and shout out to Michigan state and Kentucky for the double overtime, because I think, you know, we were up till way past our bedtimes, but, um, a lot to, a lot to dissect and I'm going to let you pick where you want to go, especially on the dog's birthday. <laughs> Yeah, so just before we dive into it, uh, just a little housekeeping and yeah. just what, what what this episode is going to entail. So we're just going to give our reactions to the Champions Classic and then the Gonzaga-Texas matchup, which was another just huge rankings and prospect matchup. Then we're going to dive into a preview of the tournament that Rucker is going to in Vegas this weekend. And then we're going to wrap the whole thing up with our Game of the Weekend segment, where we're going to preview um, the game that all of you voted on us to do a playback for this weekend, which is Houston, Oregon on Sunday. And then we'll dive into a little coach's corner with strategy and, you know, what we would kind of look for if we were on those coaching staffs. So before we get to all that though, champions classic, it was a good one. I had a lot of fun, even though there were long stretches of, uh, let's say rough offense. Yeah. Um, but let's start out with the first game, Michigan state versus Kentucky. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, I thought it was a fantastic showing for Casey Wallace. 
Um, I thought Michigan State showed that they're going to be the classic Tom Izzo team that, you know, as draft evaluators, we might not look at Michigan State this year and be, be like in awe of all the prospects they have. But, yep. you know, that's that's when Tom Izzo's teams are the most dangerous because they just have a bunch of guys that can play together and, and be a little nasty. But Kentucky's going to be interesting this year. I think there's one guy that's clearly cementing himself as a legit prospect um, and, and – we're overreaction city right now in the, in the draft space. Um, I'm even having to calm down some of my no ceilings faithful, um, even though I love all of those individuals, but um, I think everyone's a little excited. We're a little foaming at the mouth to be talking rankings and movement. And, you know, I'm also like, Hey, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> this is game three for most teams. But, you know, if we're going to overreact because everyone likes to do that, I thought Casey Wallace made himself a lot of momentum up some boards with that showing. What about yourself, Metcalf? What were your thoughts? I'm I'm fascinated that that was kind of your takeaway because I and obviously when you look at Wallace's stat line, I mean, he produced in literally every column of it. So I'm not saying he had a bad game by any right. means, but he was also – you know, the biggest name recruit in this game. Um, you know, when we look at projected draft ranges, he's pretty much head and shoulders above everyone else in this game. I came away from a, a little underwhelmed. Um, Is it because he didn't take the last shot? Can we just let this no, out? No, there, okay. there were a handful of times where he was in the lane and just didn't even look at the rim. Um, it felt like he was way too passive at times. And maybe part of that is, um, just his first time playing with severe Wheeler or, you know, just in a big matchup playing with severe Wheeler and playing more of that off ball role. Um, previous game, I watched them, you know, he was the sole point guard, severe Wheeler was out and Kaysen kind of just did a great job of managing the entire pace and flow of the game. And then still got his um especially in the paint i think his interior scoring is really impressive with his touch on floaters ability to absorb contact and finish through contact and it just looked like he wasn't looking for it at all um that whole game so and he made some beautiful passes had some really nice scores i'm not saying he had a bad game by any means but it felt like he could have kind of taken that game over a little more and he was just a little too passive I understand that completely. Um, everyone that wants to doubt that me and Metcalf are agreeing about this, we we talked about our fear with Kentucky this year was the Wheeler experience kind of taking away from Wallace. And, you know, first game of the year, they're playing Howard. Um, Wheeler doesn't play. Kaysen Wallace drops 15, 8, and 9 with two steals. He's 7-11 from the field, one for two from three. I thought it was beautiful. I thought yeah. he looked fantastic. I was yep. like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And then second game of the year, Wheeler comes back, plays 27 minutes, has 11 points, six rebounds, 11 assists. Looks great. But, you know, Wallace finishes in 27 minutes with eight points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals three for six from the field. So I think this game in my head as an evaluator, I'm saying, okay, he can produce. Mm -hmm. He can be one of the best guys on the floor, but I'm right there with you. I think 
he's going to have to find a point in the season in which he realizes, okay, I'm the guy I'm, you know, because he is trying to figure out how to play with Wheeler and Wheeler's going to get his shots. Like Wheeler's not, you know, Wheeler's lights always green and I'm not trying to talk down about him, but I'm just saying when you're playing with someone like that, you have to also be able to be aggressive and get yours in your spots without being a, a ball hog. So I thought it was promising, especially from the defensive side of the ball, because he was just a pest. Um, I also just thought it made evaluators or scouts kind of realize, like, okay, look, Cason Wallace is going to be a first-round guy, a mid-first-round guy. Yeah. Now you just want to see where does his trajectory go? Is he going to all of a sudden have a a five-game stretch this year where he really just starts to take over, or – is this what we're going to see the whole year? And then that will raise some questions, but I understand your doubts. I get it. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, and I do have him in that mid first, my, my ranking or general view of him didn't really change drastically right. one way or the other at all. It's just, okay, this is a big game. It's really close. Like I just want to see you take over a little more. And he was just a little too eager to kind of take the backseat role. It's like, you're the best guy on this team by a lot. And you can get to the rim whenever you want. Look for it, force it a little bit. And he didn't. So the, it was just kind of, it's obviously nitpicking. He didn't have a bad game. I just wanted a little bit more. Um, but that's a part of evaluation. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, for everyone listening, like that is one of my favorite things to watch when you're evaluating a young talent is like that situation where you're like, some Kentucky needs someone to, to take this game over. And it's like, here you are, you're this high recruit. This is your moment to shine. And we see some guys that can step up to the plate early in the season with that confidence and be like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this. Apollo Bancaro last year. I think he pretty much yeah. has proven that he was worthy of where he got selected in yes. the NBA. But beginning of the year last year, he was put on a show. He rose to the occasion every time it was a, you know, national spotlight, and I think that's what you want to see with some of these guys. And, and obviously Kentucky's going to be on TV again, spoiler alert. So we're going to have to just see kind of where he goes. Cause I, I still want to figure out if case Wallace is a, a complimentary piece. That's going to be a dang good guard at the NBA level. Or if there's another level to his game that we haven't found out yet. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I'm talking about, too, because, like, obviously the, the Drew Holiday comp has been thrown out a bunch, including by you. And yep. you know, that that's a top two, top three guy on a championship team. That's a really right. high threshold. Um, obviously, we all hope that Kaysen can get there, but just from that mentality standpoint, I just need to see him kick it up a little bit more because I, I'm not quite seeing that out of him yet, but I'm seeing damn good starter, damn good fourth or fifth option, you know? So I, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I just want to see a little kind of, you know, fuck you attitude from him. Um, Com- but yeah, complete agreement. Someone who significantly underwhelmed, unfortunately, was a guy that we both liked coming into the season. And uh, that was Chris Livingston, yeah. um, who has had a, tough start to the year. Um, I don't think either of us are necessarily surprised by that, but this has been a little rougher than um, I think we were anticipating. Yeah. Um, a lot rougher. I think me and you were, were both in the same 
you know, zip code when we were talking about, we really, really like Chris Livingston. We, we think he's going to be a really nice basketball player, but I would have been completely shocked if he just was coming out, putting up 18 or 20 in the first couple of games. Cause I just don't know if that's the type of player he is right now. I think he's this guy that unfortunately, when you're evaluating, you're going to have to, wait and see you're gonna have to keep checking in and, and almost track him and be like okay look it looks like the light switch is finally coming on he, he's he's hunting his own shot he looks like the things are slowing down and um right now it just looks like maybe a little too passive or just still trying to figure out what's his role where's his his spots to get his shot because it, it's just been a slow start but i'm not overly concerned um it's just something that i'm monitoring and, and it's one of those guys where i'm like let me let's get 10 games in if you haven't seen any growth then it's like okay we're we're entering a territory of you know having a difficult conversation but um what about yourself and i i just forgot that he was on the floor for yep. a lot of the game which you know is never a good thing um it it feels like he's trying too hard that he's overthinking everything. Um, I I liked his jumper in high school and he has some really bad misses against Michigan state where he didn't even come close to the rim um, on defense. You can tell that he's trying like, really, really hard to be, to make those tags and rotations, but so much of it is resulting in him over rotating and over helping and completely leaving his guy wide open that either results in a wide open jumper or him scrambling to recover. And then they just, you know, easily attack that sloppy closeout. So it feels like he's pressing right now. Like he's in his own head that, that kind of confidence that he played with that Oak Hill isn't necessarily there right now. And that sucks. Cause I, I think there's a really good role player there and I'm not quite sure how he's going to overcome that because I, I think the talent is there. The, the athleticism is there. He's just struggling to figure out who he is kind of as a player in this team. Yeah. Like as we're recording this for everyone listening, Kentucky's playing South Carolina state. Um, they're up, they're up 22 with three minutes left. Excuse me. Really good math by me. They're up 42 oh. with with three minutes left. And Those are different Liv- numbers. Yeah, Livingston. Uh, Livingston. I was so excited to make this point that I just became an <laughs> idiot. Um, Livingston's three for five from the field, seven points, and uh, four rebounds. Perfect. Love it. So my my point is is like their first two games they won by. Here we go. Some more math for Tyler. They won by thirty two and twenty five. Kentucky in those blowouts are they're playing a lot of guys minutes. So Livingston's one of yeah. these guys that he's got to get into a flow of a game, get like extended run because he's not going to be this guy that drops, you know, 26 or 27 points. He's your box score filler. So when you're blowing a team out, yeah, his numbers aren't going to look as great because he hasn't got enough run. And, and um, he's going to be an interesting one because I think it's just going to have to be, you're getting the, the, the teases you have to almost be like, okay, well, what is he going to look like with 30 minutes instead of playing, you know, 18 or 19 minutes? Um, 
I really, really like him. I, I really think he's a good basketball player, like you're saying. I just think we're going to have to wait and see. I, and, you know, he had a nightmare game against Michigan State, but, you know, they didn't play that much. Many guys. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just weird. Because the team also has some vets that they're going to, you know, Calipari is going to get to a point and be like, no, I know what Jacob Toppin's going to give me. I'm going to play him extended minutes, or Oscar's going to be on the court. Just stuff like that. All right. Well, speaking of Jacob Toppin, he continues to be one of these upperclassmen who just continues to impress me. I think he's a really good defender. Um, he scored kind of in all three levels in that game. Um, the shot, you know, it either looks beautiful or he misses the rim by like two feet. So, you know, I think that's a, a I think he's wor- working in the right direction with it. I still don't fully buy it with him, but everything else he does He's showing a little bit more to his game and with that ability to hit a mid-range pull-up or get to the rim. Um, so I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that, you know, a year from now, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes it onto an NBA roster. Um, Oscar looked like Oscar. I mean, just a monster rebounding uh, tips and everything. I still think he's, his touch at the rim is uh, pretty hit or miss. Um, he made a mid-range jumper, badly bricked another one. Uh, the defense looked better than last year, but still I wouldn't classify it as good. Um, so either of those guys, any thoughts? Toppin's one I need to spend some more time on. I feel like I I just can't put my a value on where I see him because you've, you've praised his defensive ability before or you uh, came away intrigued. Yeah. Just like rewatching like their last five games or something from last year. Um, it was like, Oh, okay. This dude's working and covering a lot of ground and a lot of positions. So I, I, I was really intrigued by it last year. Um, and I, I think he's been a solid defender so far this year too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just want to watch more of him. I, I kind of yeah. want him to get on a little bit of a stretch this year where it's like those the really good five game stretch, like, okay, what 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 started cooking? Um, you dive into the that stretch of games. They're about to finish their game. He ended up with eight, nine, and two, um, four for eight from the field. Um, Case and Wallace update, twelve, two, and three, five for seven, and then you just go see Wheeler. <laughs> Uh, six, three, and ten. Which <laughs> is just, you know, and Wheeler's doing a good job distributing the ball, but it's just going to be interesting. I, I think Oscar, Oscar's going to put up some crazy numbers this year. I, I kind of think we know what Oscar is, and, and it's yeah. just going to be interesting to see how NBA teams value that. I think he's going to get a shot because he's such a rebounding force. And if a team's like, we need just someone to rebound in the rotation. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna throw either a two A or a summer league invite, and um, you never know. Those are the guys that all of a sudden go to the G League, produce in the G League, and then all of a sudden an NBA team's like, yeah, okay, fine, he can rebound when we need him off the bench. But um, Oscar's fun. It, it, he had that bad lapse defensively that I feel like we were all screaming at the TV when it was happening in slow motion. But um, yeah. yeah, Kentucky's gonna be interesting to see. I just I, I think this team's gonna need a while to get their rhythm, you know, kind of come together. Yeah. Well, the, the team who actually won the game was Michigan state. Um, I I didn't come away overly enthused about any of these guys as being NBA guys. Um, at least 
this year. Um, A.J. Hogard, I think, is a name to kind of keep an eye on throughout the year. The defense transition scoring, slashing, really physical guard. Uh, Jaden Akins is kind of – he just hasn't really hit the ground running like I thought he would. Um, but then Maddie Sissoko might be the most intriguing guy. I know he's not super skilled, but as a vertical spacer, defender, um, rebounder, you know, I – He's he's looking to be a really serviceable big man who's just producing and playing super hard. And that's a lot more than you can say for a lot of centers. Sissoko, I think, is going to be the one I, I want to kind of keep a close eye on moving forward. Um, Hauser played great. I, I, I think we're going to have to keep an eye on him just because... He looks like he could shoot it. I mean, going. I feel like in the Gonzaga game, he didn't wow me. And then all of a sudden against Kentucky, he goes crazy and he drops 23 and eight, um, eight for 16 from the field, four for seven from three, but just kind of had some movement shooting flashes. He's six, nine to 20. He's got a good size. Um, his brother plays for the best team in the NBA. So, I, I mean, it's just going to be, I think Hauser's the one to keep an eye on. I had to throw that one in. <laughs> um, Hauser Mania. So I, I'm going to watch both of those guys. I'm intrigued. But um, yeah, Michigan State's not the team we're hunting for, you know, first round prospects, but they're going to have a couple guys that you got to keep an eye on. It's is it always makes those glue guys, those nasty ones that you want to pay attention to. You never know. Those, those NBA teams always do. Yeah. Well, the second game of the night was Duke versus Kansas, which had just NBA talent galore. Um, this was a lot of fun to watch when we did the playback for it. What yes. were your kind of big picture takeaways with it? Oh, boy. You know, I was thinking about it today. And then now that you just asked me, I feel like I don't even know where to start. I feel like the first half was a lot of, not disappointment, but I I feel like we felt empty. We were like, okay, no one's really pushing the needle as much as we wanted. And then the second half, it was like a whole different scenario. It was just like electric to start out. Duke woke up. Kansas looked like they had no idea what was going on. Um, I, I Filipowski impressed me. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been lower on him going into the year. I just kept saying, like, I know how he looks good offensively. He looks, he has a great shot from outside. I said, I just want to see if he can stay alive defensively. And, and going into this game, I knew he was going to be going against some good opponents. Like, this was a good test for him. And thought he held his own at times. I thought he showed some some quick feet. Um, he just battled, and I respect that. And. Yeah. That's something that I think is going to, you know, when you're seven foot and you battle and you play hard and you can potentially be an offensive weapon at the next level, I think you're going to get a lot of attention for some scouts. And it's been interesting with him, Metcalf, because going into the season, the buzz was that he wasn't looking great. And now it seems like at times in that game, he was the reason why they were in that game. (laughs) Like, so I don't know. I I think Filipowski is the first name that impressed me just because I had lower expectations. Yeah, no, I, I came away liking a lot of what he did. Um, the, you know, the, the defense I have some kind of concerns on, but he fought, he worked. I thought his feet, you know, there were some 
uh, possessions where he was defending on the perimeter and he had really good feet. Um, he has really high hips and, you know, a kind of a narrow base when he moves on the perimeter, but he's also like seven feet, seven foot one. So it's like, okay, like he's not going to be getting down in the stance and really sliding, sliding with guys like a guard would. So I came away really impressed with just, like you said, his competitiveness, his motor. Um, I mean, he was battling guys on the post, uh, first ever Duke freshman to have a double, double in his first three games, which is shocking just given the names that have run through there. Um, but I, he scored in all three levels, competed defensively. I, I came away really impressed. Um, his kind of center mate, uh, income also incoming freshman and Derek lively. I came away less enthused about but it was also his first game back so you know that I, I i am affording him quite a bit of leeway with that so i i'm not necessarily severely knocking him but it was definitely a lackluster debut from lively yeah i think he played one game before but played like six minutes yes, or something excuse me. Yes, yeah yeah so, I, um, so we'll we could basically really consider this as his first game back. I got you. I got your back. I can't, I came away a little bummed, um, but I'm in the same boat as you. I was like, okay, let's another guy give me 10 games. And because he's, you know, coming to the party late, he showed up late. He showed up to the green room late. Um, I, uh, I, I've got to wait and see with him. I, I think the lively is going to be a puzzling one throughout the year because there's flashes right now, but it's really dim flashes that are very rare. And um, you could see sometimes the game's going a little too fast. And sometimes I think he's just kind of this, he's trying to figure out what to do out there. Like he doesn't have his feet set. And, and that's why I'm saying I need to get like 10 games into the year with him um before i'm gonna overreact but he looks like he's going to eventually be very fun but i i just don't know if it's going to turn into a potential top 10 pick and that is my overreaction right now but just from my first you know sample of seeing him on the court extended minutes i think we commented a couple times on playback we're like oh there's lively like we didn't even know he's in and, and it's not a good thing for a seven, one center. And, and that was Phillip- the issue we had with him coming in. Yeah. So and Filipowski, I knew he was in the game. <laughs> yes. Like he let everyone know he was in the game, but I'm just saying he was all over the place and um, exactly where you're going. Go ahead. Yeah. So no, I, it, it, just an important correction. He did play 14 minutes against South Carolina upstate uh, last Friday. So apologies, but he, he had four points in that game. He had four points against Kansas. Uh, both of his buckets against Kansas were on tip dunks after Ernest Uday badly chased blocks and just left him wide open. I'm, I don't know if I'm concerned, if I'm fascinated, if I'm confused as to what his offensive role is going to be, but based on that Kansas game, they're barely even looking at him and he's barely looking at the rim. So I, I hope that we kind of start to see him evolve a little more out of just the offensive rebounding, tip dunking, rib running guy. Cause I think there's a little bit more skill there. Um, I hope there's more skill there, but we just haven't seen it. Um, I thought I, 
on the boards, he did a good job rebounding. Uh, he had a, a solid block. I think there's a ton of defensive potential with him. So once he's really in game shape and kind of running on all cylinders, hopefully that's where he really starts to emerge. But it's just that consistent effort and intensity and making an impact on the game. He struggled to do it consistently in high school. And so far, not seeing a ton of that. It's hilarious going back and looking at the box score. I did not realize Duke was 14% from three and Kansas was 15% from three. Yeah, it was awful. It felt like that, but I did not know <laughs> it actually ended up like that. Yeah, I'm right there with you with Lively. There's plenty of flashes of potential. It's just, okay, I don't know how he's going to fit in offensively. Um, I imagine when Tariq Whitehead comes back, we are going to find out a lot about this Duke team because – they had moments in that game where it was like, they badly need a guy yeah, and they, they need to Whitehead in the worst way. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to bash any Duke faithful out there, but like Mark Mitchell, I thought his first game of the year was fantastic. I thought it was kind of like a, I don't know if you're going to want to expect this all the time. Um, we saw that in Kansas. If you want to talk about him, we can go ahead and into that. Yeah, just I mean, real briefly, I he was kind of the Chris Livingston of the second game. Like I forgot he was on the floor for long stretches. He didn't really do anything. He had a couple dunks that were nice, but they were the result of some big defensive lapses. Um, I I thought he looked pretty rough, unfortunately, because like you said, that their first game of the season, he looked really solid. They just had a stretch of the game where. I think it was mainly in the first half. We were like, who who's going to step up? Like if Filipowski was doing everything in his power, he ended up with 17 and 14, but he was six of 18 from the field. Yeah. Um, and just no one had anything going. And I kept waiting for Mitchell to do some stuff and it was just not really there. And, and, and I don't, that's what I'm saying with Mark Mitchell. I, I think everyone got really excited about that first game. And it was like, I don't think that's going to be what Mark Mitchell is. I think he's going to have to slowly become this really potentially nice, you know, complimentary piece of the puzzle. Um, but it, I, I thought it was going to be a big opportunity for him and I left there a little underwhelmed. So those are rough games as evaluators. Cause then you have to yeah. go back and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna watch him defensively. Like maybe yeah. he did something defensively. Yeah, so there are some off ball stuff that he yeah, was doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you get into the grind and in the middle of the year, you're like, Oh boy. Okay. Mark Mitchell versus Kansas. Just defense. <laughs> here we go. Um, well, someone who I thought did step up in a big way, um, especially after being almost a ghost in the first half, uh, Tyrese Proctor was awesome yes. in the second half. Uh, he looked really confident operating out of the pick and roll, had some beautiful jumpers, attacked the rim, made some gorgeous skip passes out of the pick and roll. Um, and then, you know, we just talked about defensively, he denied Grady Dick the ball for 18 of the 20 minutes in the second half. Um, I thought Proctor was sensational in that second half. Yeah, it, it was. I feel like we were almost like rooting as fans in the second half when he touched the ball. We were like, come on, man. like just something because he's just been off to a brutal start this year. And, and at halftime, you're just like, oh boy, this kid like reclassified, had all this buzz coming in the year. And he, he just looks like a ghost out there. He looks completely lost. 
then he hit his first shot. It was nice. And then I feel like he hit his next shot. And I was like, and we were like screaming on playback. We were like, here we go, Tyrese. All right, get a little confidence. And then you could see it was almost just like this lightning went through his body because he was just like, yeah, let's go. Like, finally, I hit a I hit a jump shot. And we were like, yeah, we know. So he looked great, man. Cap, I thought he was he competed and and those are the games I get so excited about because you get so pumped up to watch the next performance. Cause you're like, Hey, this might've be needed to be just what Tyrese Proctor needed to all of a sudden go on a nice little stretch of like the next game you look up and Tyrese Proctor drops, you know, 18 with six assists. And you're like, uh Oh, here we go. Like he's, he's starting to believe. Um, but I, I, I even thought to myself during that, that I was like, I want to go back and watch him defensively in the second half because I thought we said on the playback stream, I was like, where is Grady Dick been? And then I was like, has Proctor been guarding him the whole time? So I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Confidence is a dangerous thing in the sport of basketball. Yeah. Well, let, let's pivot to Kansas and Grady Dick, who I thought was solid in the first half, uh, disappeared for most of the second half, uh, but then closed really strongly. Um, I saw a lot on social media about how he may be the worst college defender ever. I thought that was a bit harsh. Well, um, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I wouldn't classify him as an elite defender by any means, but I thought he was acceptable for what he is as a player. Um, I, I really like that. He showed that even when his outside shot isn't falling at a really high clip, that he still has other ways of contributing with how he finished at the rim. He had some grown man finishes. Um, there's an and one in transition against Mark Mitchell, um, a really acrobatic reverse layup um, after a nice back cut. So his off ball movement, his scoring versatility, I, you know, he's going to get pegged as just a shooter, but I, I think he's way more than just a shooter. I mean, if the other team shoots 14% from three and 35% from the field, I don't know how you get ranked as the worst defender of all time. Um, but we'll go watch the tape. Um, <laughs> he, he, he had some stuff in the, in the first half that I was like, my goodness. Um, okay. You know, I was like the up and under was gorgeous. I think we talked about during the playback stream, we were like, he really moves away from the ball. Like he yeah. could be a problem, you know, as a cutter, as a movement shooter. So I'm starting, I'm starting to buy in a lot. He had a very quiet 14 after having a very loud first half. Um, Cause at one point in the second half, I was like, man, he's, I feel like he hasn't done anything. I feel like he's not even yeah. touching the ball. Like I feel like yeah, he hasn't and- even played for a while. I was like, what's going on? And then, and and all of that, it was Proctor who was just denying him the ball. Um, he Proctor stopped helping off of him. It was just his sole assignment: chase Grady Dick around screens, do not get back cut, just stay with him and only him. Yeah, com- I mean, um, the the Proctor second half performance probably going up against Grady Dick is something to watch because it probably was very impressive and. That's also something you want to monitor moving forward for Gritty Dick, but because now he, someone's going to watch that and someone's going to be like, "Hey, I might have figured a way to slow down, you know, Kansas's lethal shooter." But I, I came away impressed with him, regardless of the the quiet second half. I thought he 
did a lot of stuff in that first half that really impressed me. And and I'm intrigued. You, you were hot on that trailer to start the year. And he, he came into that game guns blazing. And then I thought in the first half showed a lot of what he's been doing in the other games. And then just someone locked him down. Duke probably went into halftime and said, someone please shut Grady Dick up like on the yeah. court. I'm tired of watching him score. And then someone did it. And that's why Duke was got back in that game and had a chance. I, I did think that Jalen Wilson was pretty easily the most impressive Kansas yes. player though. And um, he has been all season. He's stepped into kind of that Ochai Baji role from last year, where he's taking on a lot of the offensive initiation and defensive responsibilities. Um, I love how physical he is defensively, a uh, really good rebounder. And then some of just the offensive initiation stuff that he started showing this year is really important for just his long-term projection because I mean, he had some gorgeous pick and roll snake dribbles where he just patiently snaked through the lane, finished on the other side, used his guy to like rescreen the, the, the drop defender and just create an, another little opening uh, confidently shot from the mid range, the outside shot didn't fall, but it's been okay this year. He's just one of these guys where even though, he's acting as that primary initiator for Kansas. I implore people not to view him as that going into the NBA, but instead of how he can then use those skills that he's displaying in that role this year as a role player and off ball guy next year or in the future in the NBA where, okay, this is a guy who can run in transition and, you know, set guys up or who can run a second side pick and roll or who can attack a closeout and hit a mid range jumper or finish at the rim or dump it off or skip it out. So just because he's that guy this year doesn't mean he's going to be that in the NBA because that's an impossible role to break into for 99% of players. Instead, look at what he's doing this year and how he can then leverage that into being an awesome off ball player in the NBA. I, I loved what I saw from him in that game. I mean, he finished 11 for 26 from the field, which people are going to hear that and be like, what? But it was the mentality that Kansas was in a lull and he was just like, to hell with it. I'll get on my back. I'll figure it out. And, and he had some misses. He had some tough takes that just didn't fall. And then he had some really impressive makes and he ended up with 25, 11 and five. I mean, <laughs> He's putting up numbers that like you don't those are NBA box scores. You don't see those a lot in college basketball. He's on the year averaging 21, 10, and four. Shooting splits 44, 30, and 87. It was the three-point shoot percentage was way higher, but last game he had an 0 for 7. So let's put a little asterisk by that. But he couldn't get the shot to fall from outside. I thought he was great with just being like to hell with it. I'm going to start creating around the basket. I'm going to get, I'm going to be aggressive. I thought he was tough. I thought he showed versatility. I thought he just really looked like a guy that's going to play at the next level. I thought Jalen Wilson looked fantastic and um, I'm right there with you. I think watching him this year, don't watch him as a guy that's like, Oh, okay. He's going to try to be the guy at the next level. No, I think he's just showcasing. He can do anything. And, um, you know, he, he had an 0 for 7 from outside. He was on fire coming into this game. I won't be surprised if all of a sudden that three-point percentage starts going back up in a hurry. And, you know, if he ends up being a 40-40-80 a guy that is, you know, 6-8 with versatility, yeah, an NBA team's going to add him to their rotation pretty damn quick. So I thought Jalen Wilson was – 
the best guy on the court on both teams that night. I, I really did. I thought it was clearly one guy stood out to me in terms of being an NBA player, and that was Jalen Wilson. Now that story could change in three months. All of a sudden, there could be some Duke guys that look a little bit more ready, but I thought Jalen Wilson looks like an upperclassman that's been working his butt off and is ready for the next step. And I'm excited to watch him the whole year. I've never been excited to watch Kansas basketball and I'm excited this year. Um, yeah. And a couple other guys, Kevin McCuller, I thought had a solid game defensively. I thought he was awesome. Um, some of the quickest and most accurate hands on defense in the country. Uh, his corner three looked really good above the break. Not so much. Um, just one of those guys who's just a solid two-way player. Um, I, I think I'd be shocked if he doesn't find his way onto an NBA roster. Um, KJ Adams, I adore him. I, he just does all, all of the dirty shit that no one else wants to do. And he is so strong and consistent and agile. Um, can't shoot worth a lick, but I, I just think he's one of those players that you, that coaches and fans just fall in love with. Um, and then a couple of their younger big men, uh, Ernest Uday, I thought he was pretty rough um, with his defensive discipline. He was chasing blocks all over the place. Some of his pick and roll coverages were awful um, and just gave up wide open dunks. Um, but then Zubi Ajiofor, apologies on pronunciation. Um, I thought he looked really good. That was the first time I really saw him in extended minutes and he looked more disciplined defensively. Um, you know, offensively didn't really do anything, but wasn't asked to had a couple blocks uh, rebounded really well. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how their big man rotation kind of ends up fa- fa- falling into. Uday. I'm right there with you. He looked like a guy that was trying to chase way too much. I think he just needs to calm down and another guy like middle season, let's check in, see how he's progressing. But he ended up with four blocks in 13 minutes, but it was, he was trying to have 15. Um, Zuby. I, Z-U-B-Y, isn't that how it's spelled? I like that. Okay. I, I was intrigued with him. I thought he, he uh, made me write his name down to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to pay attention um mcculler i love mcculler i love the way he plays the game i think i think mcculler is going to play at the next level he had 12 6 2 1 steal two blocks on five of ten i i for sure think he's gonna figure a way to play at the next level um i really like kj adams too i'm trying to figure out how does he get on a roster or is he playing another year at Kansas? And I, I think he plays another year because he, he's, he's, he's not going to put up the numbers where it's like, oh, okay, um, because he's just one of those guys where you really have to hone in on him and see just all of the little shit that he does. He seems like he's on the Jalen Wilson path, but he needs to uh, next year just have any sort of shot and then be averaging uh, – 15 and 10 somehow or 15 and nine and being really nasty, energetic guy, because there's sometimes he makes some plays where you're like, my goodness, you know, um, he had that humongous chase down block. And I wanted to bring up a point. Grady Dick had that kick out to McCuller and that was, we were watching that stream and I was like, Whoa, that was a great corner kick to McCuller. Yeah. So a lot of interesting guys. I, I, I'm right there with you about McCuller. That guy's going to, that, that guy can play. It's just, uh, 
he needs to find the right team that's patient with uh, that development because he plays winning basketball. He's just yeah. never going to be a guy that averages 20. Absolutely. Well, the, the other big game of the week was uh, Gonzaga against Texas. Yeah. And this got ugly. Uh, Texas yeah, won 93 to 74. Um, talk to me. I mean, some people, I, I talked to the streets earlier and the streets are saying that Texas is back. I don't know if you've heard this, but, um, well, I mean, so the, the, so I, I, I don't know if everyone hook else them, saw I this, but Texas just has a, it has a brand new, uh, basketball arena, which they downsized because they couldn't sell out the, the older one. And apparently the number two team in the country still doesn't warrant a sellout. So Longhorn fans, your football team sucks. It's okay. Go to a basketball game. They're fun. Go, go, go watch a basketball game. I literally watched a, uh, a game at the old gym and I was like, wait, when I heard they were redoing or getting a new one, I was like, why? The old one was nice. What are you guys doing? But, um, the place was rocking money for it. Yeah, exactly. I think they're pretty, pretty, uh, well-funded. There's a lot to take in with this game. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out where I want to start. Let's just start with the obvious. Tyrese Hunter is that was a statement game. Yeah. Tyrese Hunter better be going up a lot of people's draft boards. I thought he was sensational with his shot selection. He had a couple fakes to take a dribble in and take a little elbow jumper. I was like, that's a point guard. That is exactly what you're supposed to do. Don't chase the three. And I just thought he played poised. He played under control. He played at a different speed than uh, the number two team in the country. So I, I came away just extremely impressed with Tyrese Hunter. I'm already trying to figure out where, how much is ridiculous to move him up because he's scorching. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he had 26 points on nine of 14 from the floor, five of eight from three, um, three rebounds, two assists, one steal. He just looked so comfortable and just unaffected by any pressure and, I I have him, I think, like fringe first round right now because coming into this year is like, okay, yes, he's an elite point of attack defender. He's a good passer. He's a good at-rim finisher who doesn't shy away from contact despite being on the smaller side for a point guard. At that size, though, you have to shoot. In that game, he shot the shit out of that ball. Yes, he did. And he's been shooting pretty well for this season. If that sustains, I, I think he's going to be a, a first round guy at the end of the year. Yeah, watching watching when I usually watch guys in games, I I try to just throw a number out of like, okay, what what does he look like? And and watching Tyrese Hunter against Gonzaga, I said that's a first round pick, and it's pretty easy. Like uh, it just depends on where, how much do you love him? And he just looks so damn good, and and he shot the ball with confidence, like he was hunting his shot at one point. So you want to see now if that's gonna keep up because. You know, as Metcalf hinted, he he went on a tear um, last year for Iowa State in the tournament. He, he was the talk. Everyone was talking about Tyrese Hunter because he was just putting on some impressive shows. And coming into this year when he announced he was going to transfer to Texas, everyone was like, just if that outside shot, any if that yep. shot is the only thing. And we say it about so many guys, but with Tyrese Hunter, it was like, you have to have it if you're going to be an undersized point guard. But Man, last night he looked just sensational. And, and he's a pest defensively. 
so I'm I'm gonna be excited to watch him throughout the year because he can piss people off on defense. Like he, he had a high number of steals. I really like Tyrese Hunter. I'm ex- he's the guy that the first couple of games of the year I'm the most excited about now because I'm like there. <laughs> There's a, a nasty point guard in Texas now rising to the surface with some confidence, and um, I'm excited. Well, the other big name on Texas is Dylan Mitchell, and I'm struggling, Metcalf. I'm in. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Yeah. I'm struggling. I loathe what they allow him to do on offense. Um, it's what like do they allow him <laughs> to to stand in the corner and if he leaves it, he gets like shocked with a shock collar. It's like the, the dog who tears into the garbage every time, every time you leave the house. So you just put him in, you corner him off and put him in a little playpen. And it's infuriating. Like just, just show me that he can't do it or allow him to take a corner three or something. Because even the screens that he was setting besides garbage time late, they were like pin down screens for other guys who are in the corner already. And whoever was guarding him on Gonzaga was basically having two feet in the lane the entire time while he was standing in the corner and the guards for Texas just never looked at him. So maybe he just is a complete offensive liability. Um, And maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's that simple, but I, I and he's just not even being allowed to show that he's completely inept on offense. They're treating him like he's Clint Capella with like four really good shooters around him that they're like, Hey, just, just rebound and clean up the dirty work. Yeah. Um, his, his stats this year are hilarious. He's averaging 7.3 points, 8.3 rebounds in 20 minutes. He's shooting 91.7% from several dunks. <laughs> it's all dunks. I mean, he he had first game of the year, he had four and four um in 20 minutes. Second game of the year in 18 minutes, he had 10 and 12 with a block. And Gonzaga he finishes with eight and nine. And, and it's just kind of one of those like we came into the year and we were like, Hey, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism. Are we going to see anything other than the dunk show around the basket? And that's what we're going to have to keep waiting for. Um, I just feel, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's a weird one because I'm, are we going to have to kind of just fascinate with the small sample size the whole year because of his role? Or are we going to think it's this bad role he's in? Or are we thinking maybe he gets to a point where it's like, Hey, maybe he needs another year. It, it, it's it, there's no ridiculous idea right now. If people are like, Hey, I'm, I'm moving him down 15 spots. I'm like, okay, I don't blame you. Are you moving him down? Uh, he's in my second round now. I I I've I, I had him at like fourteen going into that game, and it's like <laughs> I want to yeah, believe, did. but like when that's all you're showing me, I I I'm, can't in good faith have you as a top twenty guy when the only shot you take is a garbage time pick and roll lob. 
my overreaction board, I was just having fun with moving around today. And I didn't want to admit this on the air to you because I knew you'd probably, you know, send me some hate texts later. But yeah, I, I moved him. I had him around 13, 14. I've moved him past the 20s now. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and like everyone, I'm the king of please be patient and wait. I'm just moving guys around right now because I'm going to start moving them back up and stuff. But um, I don't know about him. It, it's just going to be one of those. He's going to be the, I'm going to say this right now. He's going to be the annoying guy that just is quiet all year. And then they get to the tournament and he has a damn 15 and 13 game and hits two threes. And I'm going to be like, what's going on? <laughs> and then I'm a big like, son of a, there it is. And then, um, but I don't know. It, it, Texas is going to be fun. Um, I, I thought Tyrese Hunter though stole the show. Yeah. Well, let, let's quickly talk about Gonzaga. Um, this is the worst Gonzaga offense I can remember in a long time. They look awful. Yeah, I've got some. I need a vent. I need a. Can we vent? I got a vent please, about something. Please. It was brought up last night in the no ceilings group chat that a certain player on Gonzaga is not getting the love he was once getting from some people on our panel. And I don't like it. (laughs) I've gone back and watched him and I'm talking about Julian Strother. I've gone back and watch him. I must be seeing something wrong because I think he's exactly what I've thought he was going to be. This is exactly what Julian Strother does. And maybe it's everyone thinking that he was going to take this humongous leap. I just think we know what he is. I think he's a floor spacer, a potential three and D guy that rebounds like his life is depending on it. And I don't know if people were expecting this year at Gonzaga, he was going to go up and put up 20 a game. I wasn't, I just thought he was going to be more efficient and, rebound the crap out of the ball, but am I crazy? You can tell me. Yes. I, I, I'll sleep fine tonight. I just, it's been in my no, head I, all day. <laughs> I, 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 I have a, I have him at 31. I, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. If you got him at 31, I would be doing a backflip if I was front office. I, I, I think he's a, a solid defender. I think he's a good shooter. I know the shot hasn't f- fallen at the level that we wanted. Uh, he's also the best rebounding wing in the country or one of the best. Um, I love his off ball movement. He's shown a little bit more in terms of attacking off the dribble, whether out of isolations or attacking closeouts. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. He's stepping into such a more prominent role on a team with a lot less talent than there was last year. So, I think some drop off in the the raw box score numbers shouldn't come as a surprise, but more so look at what he's doing and how he's doing it and what he's being asked to do and how he's kind of contributing to this team because I do think it is in a bigger role than what he had last season. And I, I just nothing about what he's done has been like, oh my God, last year was a fluke or like this dude's washed. I he looks very similar to what we saw last year. Well, and I, and I love everyone at no ceilings and they don't agree with me a lot and I'm fine with that. I'd still sleep great, but he averaged 11, 11, five and one last year on 49, 36, 70, three games so far this year, he's 14 and six with two steals 
and 46, 41, 78. I'm not thinking Julian Strother's ever going to be a, you know, superstar, but if, if you got him at 31, oh my gosh, what a great, what a great selection. What a great value pick because Julian Strother, we might look up and he plays 13 years at the NBA because he's just a great seventh or eighth yeah. guy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how you all of a sudden start to win championships is you get guys like Julian Strother late. Now I'm pissed off. Okay. Uh, that's all I had. I just, I thought Strother's look great. I think this team's terrible. Yeah. They I think this team's, I, I hate their offensive approach. And I, the problem is, is I love so many of their players. Yep. They're sure missing a, Nolan Hickman. Big fans of, they're missing they're missing a, a guy and they need Timmy to not be the number one and they're treat and Timmy it's amazing looking at his box score and seeing he went seven for ten last night because yeah. watching that game I yeah, thought he like was it. like three for fifteen. So that's that's well, why yeah, I would... but, but then you look over a few columns and you see the five turnovers. Yeah, and, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Right. Levels and <laughs> The, 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 that's my issue with this Gonzaga team right now is their offense. Everything is just feed it to Timmy in the post and clear out. And it's like, they're treating it almost like an NBA audition tape for him where it's like, Oh my God, look at these awesome post moves. We, we know already that he's awesome in the post. We know it. <laughs> you're, you're not the biggest center. You're not the most athletic center. You're not a rim protector. So just spamming these post moves over and over and over and over again without actually utilizing the threat of the three-pointer like they have in these last couple seasons, it makes it super easy to guard. Every time the ball went down to him in the post, they double or tripled him. He kicked it out and second rotation was there and their sole offensive focus was, all right, put it back into the post. It's an awful offense right now. They look horrible. Um, I, I hope they start giving their guards a little more leeway to dictate what they do on either end, but who knows? Well, and Hickman and Strother, I, I you know, I was giving our, our squad a bad rep, but I think why people might be cooling on them is because they're, they had four turnovers each last, yeah. last night. And I think it's part of the offense of like, they don't, yeah. everyone's just like, Hey, feed Timmy. And it's like, you got to play a system. Timmy's going to get his. There's so much less movement of players and ball than there were these last two seasons. Obviously, when you have Kispert, Suggs, Holmgren, Nemhard, it's a little easier to do that. But a lot of these guys were in that system last year. They know the system. Run the system. (laughs) Have people move around that isn't just Drew Timmy fighting in the post for position. It's making uh, Andrew Nemhard and Chet look pretty damn good. (laughs) right now but I, I i i'm not trying to rag on gonzaga but i'm just watching that team i was like they're saying a top five team right now this is not a team they they've got a lot to figure out and they have the talent that they can figure it out but they just looked like they look like a team that's never played before together and yeah. i don't know if they need to all of a sudden feed strother more because strother looks like their best outside shooter um he had a couple. He hit a couple shots last night where it was just like they needed a desperate shot. He just came. All right, fine. And he's shooting confident. I'm fine with him. Um, Nolan, I, I I need Nolan Hickman to have a just a moment of like anger that he all of a sudden's like screw this. I'm going to drop 15 tonight because <laughs> he. I feel like he just is too passive. 
He's yeah, not. he looks like he's unsure of what his responsibilities yes. are on offense. I like how you put that. Um, but all right, well, all you right. yeah, move on. You are headed to Vegas this week for some games, so I, I'm I'm gonna let you kind of preview what you're excited about, what you're looking for, what you're expecting to see. I am heading to Vegas tomorrow. As you're listening to this, I will be on the road. I'm jumping in a car, driving five hours. Um, gonna watch two games, and then I'm gonna drive back five hours. Woo! And for everyone that's worried about me, one word: coffee. Um, we've got Baylor. It's the Continental Main Tire or main event. Yeah, Continental Tire main event. There you go. See how excited I am? It's Baylor. Yeah, just a really historic and storied tournament. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows this. It's <laughs> one of the biggest tournaments since, you know, the 80s. Um, Baylor Bears, UCLA Bruins, Illinois, and Virginia are the four teams expected to go. I'm pretty pumped about this one. I, I want to see Baylor, um, obviously going to see Keontae George, but that entire team I'm excited to get a up-close look at. Um, UCLA, I mean, I'm just excited to see kind of Hame from last year. They've got some guys that are really starting to buzz too. Um, Amari Bailey, obviously. Who's our Who's the – oh, gosh, who am I blanking on? Who's starting to roll that Albert's been hyping up that I need to oh, watch? Uh, Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark, thank you. I had a little brain fart there. And then um, Illinois, Terrence Shannon. I, I'm, I'm going to, just when I'm out, they pull me back <laughs> in. It's literally what I'm going to be saying the whole time watching them. So I want to see what they can do. Sky Clark, um, then Virginia. You know, just, it's going to be some fun games. Um, I'm, I'm really pumped to get an up-close look at Keontae George. It's one of those things where, I was mapping out the whole calendar for scouting events this year. I saw that one in Vegas and I said, well, unless I'm going to go fly to Texas, I better get there and see what all the hype's about with Keontae George and he'll probably go two for 15, but that's okay. <laughs> this is why we do it. Yeah. Well, th- those should be some really fun games and hopefully we get the uh, championship of that on Sunday and it's, the championship that we want <laughs> yeah and- ucla baylor will be great no villanova or virginia illinois <laughs> yeah that, that'll be a barn burner um but that'll be fun excited to see the content that and just your reaction from being in person um but before we wrap up we gotta preview our game of the weekend and yeah. this is going to be a regular segment that we start ending our friday pods with uh because we're going to start doing weekly playback streams um every single weekend and we're gonna let the fans decide which one we do so this week you all spoke you voted democracy won out and game of the weekend is houston versus oregon on sunday so rucker and i will actually be the ones doing that one we may have another teammate or two um but if you guys want to come hang out watch ask questions in the chat jump on stage and talk with us um break down some of the game with us more than welcome makes it so much more fun when you do it we've had a blast doing these so far but rucker when you look at this oregon houston matchup what really stands out to you well i mean the reason why we were so excited we we had some games up to let the fans decide. And I feel like I was secretly like, please let us watch Houston. Please let us watch Houston. Um, and then you guys chose that. And I was like, thank you. I love everyone. 
I'm really pumped about this Houston Cougars team, um, even more than I feel like me and you were going into the season. They've been nasty. Um, they look just like an unstoppable force lately. And uh, Marcus Sasser's off to a great start. I think Jarris Walker's look fantastic. Uh, I just think this team is deep and they're not going to have a ton of guys that, you know, put up humongous numbers, but they have depth and they can run, you know, eight guys deep at you all game, which is Houston loves to do that. They love to just get the guys they are going to play, you know, with their hair on fire. And, and I just really think there's a ton of talent on this team. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, going up against like a, a team like Oregon Pac-12 is just, you know, no offense to those other teams. Pac-12 is another world right now. So like, let's see Houston and I'm not saying I don't think they won't have any problem with Oregon, but um, I also want to see, you know, Jairus Walker going against, you know, Khalil Ware and see how he holds up. So I'm, I'm really excited to do this game with you. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest names to keep an eye on, um, for Oregon, Khalil Ware tops the list pretty easily. Um, then I think a couple other guys who are intriguing, maybe potential summer league invites down the road and Folly Dante at center. Yes. Um, Nate Biddle's had a strong start to the season. Will Richardson, who's been there for about 42 years. Uh, and then Quincy Gurrier on, uh, the wing, um, couple o- older upperclassmen. Um, but the, I, I, besides where I think he's kind of the only one on Oregon who's like a real name to keep in to uh, keep on top of your mind in terms of the draft. But then on Houston, I mean, Jairus Walker, um, I expect him. I mean, we've had him as a top five guy for a couple months now. Um, Terrence Arsenault, it'd be nice to see a breakout game from him. Marcus Sasser is looking like a top 20 guy at least. Uh, and then Jamal Shedd and Tremont Mark have also had some big games for Houston. So they, they have, a bunch of guys who can really punish you in a variety of ways. I think this is going to be a really, really good matchup for, um, and a good opportunity for Walker to hopefully go head to head against where, and just kind of see who ends up winning out. Yeah. I mean, Nafali Dante is, I'm sorry if I pronounced his uh, first name wrong. I, I swear I was practicing on it earlier, but he's a load. He's huge. He, he, he's, um, I watched his former five-star recruit, I believe too. He's senior. He's big. This is a, this is an exciting game because this is going to be a real damn good test for Walker. I almost think he might spend more time guarding um, Dante than, than even where, because Dante is a beast. I mean, he does a lot of his damage around the basket and on the boards and he's energetic. He throws people around like he, he can really, you know, all of a sudden get that that heater going and get that feeling really good where he's, you know, rebounding like Charles Barkley. But, um, I mean, he's leading the team. He's averaging 14 and 8, and he's averaging 1.7 blocks per game. He's just one of those, like, you got to keep him off the boards. But I think this is a great test for Walker because he's going to have some size. He's going to have some power around him. He's going to have some length around him. And let's see, let's see how he holds up. But – um, to go off your point, you know, Houston's guards are no joke. They got just 
gadgets galore with with their roster i mean they just all mesh so well it's it's not like every guy needs to score 20 yeah, a lot of guys just love playing with each other so it's it's gonna be fun i'm i'm, I'm excited as you can yeah tell. yeah and just to your point about who walker is going to match up against i mean he's the tallest guy on the roster who's played more than four minutes this year and he's listed at six eight yeah It'll be interesting, um, right. but that I, I think that's a good spot to kind of pivot into our coach's corner. So what we're going to do is just pretend that we're on the coaching staff for these. We, we each have a team and just kind of general game plan stuff that we would look to implement um, if we were being asked about it. So Rucker, you at Houston, what were you thinking? Yeah. So for everyone listening, I, I spent, a year overseas coaching and I have not used this part of my brain for a while. So when Metcalf asked me to do this, I was like, wow, you're asking me to really dive deep into to my brain to talk X's and O's, but let's do it. Let's get weird. Um, Oregon could do some damage around the basket, especially with the bigs I just brought up. Like that's, that's their bread and butter is Dante going to work in there where shown the ability to stretch the floor from outside, but I'm not going to, you know, be afraid if where's chucking up three pointers all night, they can't shoot. Um, they, they, Oregon's three point shooting. I think their top three guys or I'm sorry. Yeah. Their top three guys, two of them are centers. Everybody else is under 30%. So Oregon's been getting a lot of zone thrown at him and I hate zone more than anything in the world. And I'm preparing that we're going to get a lot of zone coverage on a playback, which I hate watching against, but you know, Houston, it'll be funny to see if uh, Samson wants to swallow his pride and be like, now nah, we're playing man. Or if Samson's going, no, you guys can't shoot, shoot threes. Um, because where's one of their best shooters from three. And he's, you know, he's not playing heavy minutes yet, but that's kind of what I would do. I would, um, if I'm Houston also, I think you have the depth and they've got a lot of bigs they like to rotate. I would run them to death. I would be trying to push the floor and transition and let Marcus Sasser and Shed kind of do their thing. But it's going to be interesting. You got to keep Dante off the boards. That's the one thing. If Jairus Walker can keep him off the boards, they have a very, very good shot of, of opening that game, in my opinion, because he does a lot of his damage on the offensive glass. He loves to clean up the garbage and Walker's going to have the strength and the girth to kind of out muscle him. So that's going to be, that would be my mentality. Metcalf. I hope I passed the test for the first one and I hope you're proud. No, this is perfect because that falls in line of a lot of what I'm suggesting. So okay. um, <laughs> yeah. So I, obviously I had Oregon and you know, I was looking through their roster and you know, tendencies and numbers and everything this year. And you know, first thing I look at three point percentage as a team, 30% on the year. What that tells me is we're not shooting any fucking threes <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> Unless you are wide the fuck open, you are not shooting it. And we're going to milk the clock. Um, I want to see a two big lineup of Dante and Cleo Ware. Yes. So even if, you know, if, if Ware does get the open three, sure, you, you he's allowed to take it. That guy can take it. Um, but I want them dominating the the defensive glass because that's how Houston made that really deep 
tournament run last year was just being absolute menaces on the offensive glass. So limit second chance points, control the pace, slow it down, really muck it up with the two big guys who are just going to dominate inside. Because like we said earlier, Houston doesn't have anyone over six, eight who plays actual minutes. And I want this to just be an ugly, ugly game. If I'm Oregon and that means controlling the glass, controlling the pace, not letting Houston get out and run because with, if we start taking threes and they're going to start bricking threes, that means long rebounds. And now shed and Sasser and Walker are sprinting the other way. Um, and they're going to finish because Oregon's backcourt, not only can they not shoot, but they're also not uber athletic. Great combination. Um, so expecting big game from where big game from Dante and just absolutely controlling the interior on both ends of the floor. Yeah. I mean, and everyone might look up to three point shooting and be like, Hey, wait a sec. Houston, Houston's shooting 29% as a team. And it's like, yeah, but Houston's also scoring 10 points per game more because they just run to death. They get shots up. They want to play fast. And that's why I, I, I think you're spot on. If I'm Oregon, you got to drain the crap out of the clock. You got to play slow. You got to play in the half court. You know, the two big lineup, I would, in a weird way, it's almost like you, I think you got to play where extended minutes now. I think you got yeah. to, if you're going to have a shot against Houston and it'll be interesting. I actually like this. This is a great idea by you. Cause I feel like by the end of the year, we'll be like, okay, we need to run horns at the top. With, <laughs> you know. but, hey, I mean, if we start getting, super weird with it and implementing our own offensive philosophies and schemes. I'm all for it. I'll be so proud. And then we'll get some <laughs> film, get some film breakdowns. I would love that. We're just going to be on here for three hours. Yeah. Just. <laughs> like a live event. Um, but no, I mean, I, I am excited because just the Houston, it, it's kind of like a, I could see a blowout. I could see it being a very good game for evaluation purposes for where and for even Sasser. I mean, Sasser's putting up good numbers this year. He's also had a very green light from outside. So I'd like to have, see him have a game where he's a little bit more efficient um, from three point range. It is in Oregon. Um, I believe. Oh, sorry. So. I spaced out. Oh no. You know why that's bad news folks. Oh, we get that court. Don't we, we get that court? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Wow. I might have to now. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I had a joke and I didn't like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm proud of you for pulling the ripcord and bailing on it, <laughs> but it, it, it's going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So please come hang out with us. Games at eight 30 central on ESPN. So come the, the playback link will be shared all over our socials. Uh, just, come hang out, ask questions in the chat, ask to come up on stage and talk to us. Uh, we're, we're friendly. We, we, we like talking basketball or any other weird things that you guys want to talk about. So make sure to come hang out with us for that game. Uh, Rucker, this was a blast. Uh, please plug away. Um, I'm at no ceilings, and at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter with all the rumors of Elon Musk, you know, doing some stuff to Twitter, I don't care. I'm going to be there till the ground burns. So we can always talk on Twitter. Um, just message me, hit me up, tag me, whatever you fun people like to do these days. 
And uh, yeah, come join us Sunday. We, me and Metcalf get a little weird on that. It's basically going to be like a podcast with basketball going on in the same time. So you get the best of both worlds and we're going to have some fun. And, you know, that game should be pretty crazy regardless. Even if it's a blowout, there's going to be a lot of excitement. And I think it's going to be a, a really, really good scouting game to look back on. So thank you, Metcalf, as always. And have yourself a good weekend. And I'll see you Sunday. You too, sir. Uh, once again, I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. Uh, and you can find all of our work uh, at noceilingsnba.com. It's 100% free. Uh, just click that subscribe button to make sure that you never miss anything that gets published, like my Jet Howard off-ball movement piece that will be up on Friday when you are listening to this. Uh, you can follow us across all socials at noceilingsnba and on YouTube at TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus